Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. The Academy Podcast is brought to you by the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the Upper Room. The Academy is dedicated to creating safe space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. To learn more about our five-day and two-year retreat offerings, visit academy.upperroom.org. I'm your host, Claire McKeever-Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy. I'm also ordained clergy, a birth and postpartum doula, a yoga, dance, and movement instructor, a mother, a partner, a friend. We're glad you're here. In this month's episode, we are joined by Luther Smith. Luther is an ordained elder in the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church and a member of the Academy Advisory Board. He spent 35 years of his career as an activist, scholar, and professor at Candler School of Theology, and he is known to be an authority on the life and theology of Howard Thurman. Luther recently retired from his work at Candler and continues to be a strong advocate for justice and the power of community. He is married to Helen Pearson Smith and lives in Stone Mountain, Georgia. They have four children and five grandchildren. The following episode draws from Luther's teaching at a North Carolina five-day academy in May 2010. A reminder that these recordings come from live plenary sessions, which is why you'll sometimes hear coughing, laughing, and other affirmations in the background. We've done our best to edit out distractions, while also working to maintain the integrity of the real-life, in-person teaching that our spiritual guides offer. Inviting us into deeper reflection on becoming who God calls us to be, Luther offers wisdom, word, and truth for this Advent season, for all seasons. Enjoy. As we're talking about becoming who God has called us to be, we're also talking about um, being deeply passionate about what God has called the world to be. Both are passions of God. So, um, I'll say some things from this later, but I wanted you to be aware of why these were chosen and how they relate to uh, the theme, becoming who we are called to be. This matter of being called, it's important that we know we are called that it's an awareness and a consciousness. And it's important to know the meaning of that call and the implications of that call. This truly is vocation. And Del Carter, who was a United Methodist minister, wrote a little book called Joy, where he defined joy in this way. Joy is being out of work and into vocation. <laughs> and I think Del Carter has it right. The sense of vocation, being in vocation, doing the work of vocation, is that which gives us fulfillment, is that which gives us joy. 
So for all of us, this matter of vocation, this matter of God's calling upon us, is fundamental to fulfillment, to joy, to what the Christian journey should be for us. A joy that is not dependent upon everything being fine, but a joy that we are able to experience even in our deepest sorrow. As a seminary professor, um, I see many students who are very confused about this matter of call, uh, especially as they find themselves in seminary, not quite sure why, but they're there. Um, and they all the more get a little concerned as they hear some of their classmates during that day of orientation so certain as to why they have been led to be in seminary. And, and, and they don't feel that. Some begin to wonder, should I be here where I have all of these questions? I, I know what I don't want to do, many will say. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't want to be a pastor. So. Um, or I, I don't really see myself as a chaplain. But they have the sense that, that the journey for them comes to this place and through this place. They can't really recall, many of them, a moment when God spoke to them and said, fill out that application to Candler. <laughs> um, but still, there is something in their life that has led them to come to this place and to try to fulfill this sense of urging. Well, in the Bible, you have many examples of call. Call does not happen in one way. And you should not feel in some way cheated if someone speaks with great clarity about God's sense of call upon their lives and you don't have that particular kind of clarity. God calls us in many different ways. And the biblical witness is how God calls also in many different ways. In Exodus 3, we have Moses who is called to be the great liberator of his people, who some in Judaism even consider to be the first prophet. You have Moses, who is called to be the great liberator, and, and uh, I, I love the way Moses responds to this call. He's negotiating all the way. <laughs> so God calls Moses, and Moses said, well, why should the people believe me? And um, God seeks to reassure Moses, and uh, basically, well, Moses asks, well, who are you? And I am who I am, or I shall be who I shall be, which um, I don't know in light of this, uh, you know, Moses going before the people and then going before Pharaoh, that would not be a very satisfactory answer for most of us. I shall be who I shall be. I shall be has sent me. <laughs> Um, the call continues. 
And after questioning whether he would be received by the Israelites, after questioning God, uh, how is this going to play out in front of Pharaoh? And when that is answered, do you realize how limited I am? I stutter. I love Moses. Um, he, he has a wonderful way of taking this matter of call seriously and taking who he is seriously. God has called him, and Moses is in touch with all those anxieties, as well as his wisdom about the way in which the world works, to which he's going to hold God to account. The call of Isaiah, which is very uh, different, who has his vision in the temple and the angels flying around, and he comes to this awareness of himself, well, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. So not only a, a greater sense of who he is, but a sense of the culture in which he is. And, and in all of this, after his, his, his lips are cleansed by the coals, he, he hears the word of God calling upon him. Whom shall I send? Who, who will go for us? And he says, here am I, send me. Um, almost a, a very different tone in that response, isn't it? From Moses, who is negotiating all the way, to Isaiah, who says, here am I, send me. Um, sometimes I feel like, here am I. Send those who are prophets. Here am I. Send those who aren't as afraid as I am. Here am I. Send somebody else. And then there is the call of Jesus. In Mark, John has gone before declaring that Jesus is the one who is to come, and Jesus comes for his baptism. He submits to this call upon his life that certainly was occurring before the baptism, but this call upon his life that takes him to his baptism. He yields to it, and he hears, you are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And we'll be saying something about Jesus and the temptations as we speak about discernment. We'll be uh, discussing that later. Here, a, a different experience of calling. And then there is this one of Dag Hammarskjöld that we find in his book, Markings. 
I don't know who or what put the question. I don't know when it was put. I don't even remember answering. But at some moment, I did answer yes to someone or something. And from that hour, I was certain that existence is meaningful and that therefore life, my life, and self-surrender had a goal. Call happens to us in many different ways. Religious experience happens to us in many different ways. The one thing that characterizes all of them is that we have had an encounter. An encounter with God. And this encounter is not implying that God has been absent. Or that we have been outside the mind of God or the heart of God. No. But what the encounter means is, is that we have come into a new awareness of our presence with God and God's presence with us. It's a new awareness that might be considered revelation. It's a new awareness that may lead us to sing, I once was blind, but now I see. It's a new awareness that can occur anywhere, at any time. Sometimes it results because we have, in many ways, given ourselves time and time again, and something in us breaks loose, where all of this effort and exhaustion yields to us an awareness that we have never had before. And sometimes we are in full stride being about the kind of Ivan Ilyich life that is lived so simply and so ordinarily, and it hits us on the road. But God's presence is always with us at all times, in all situations. Elizabeth Barrett Browning speaks of this when she says, Earth is crammed with heaven. And every common bush is a fire with God. He who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. It's a sense in which one is often missing the holiness in what is seemingly so ordinary. Be that the holiness of creation, the holiness of a friend we've known for so many years who we think we know everything there is to know about this person and they have nothing new to say. It's so easy to miss it. And if you miss it for so long, it's, it's easy to live a life that grows accustomed to missing it. Be assured of this. God knows each one of us and calls us and loves us and desires 
joy for our living and joy for God's creation. Do you trust it? trust it? Luther leaves us with a question. It lingers in the air. It dances and floats and continues its whisper, yielding and relentless all at once. Will you trust it? God's love, God's call, God's way. Sometimes I hear God clearly through Isaiah and John crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Other times God's voice is a faint and distant cry, something I'm barely able to discern, but there nevertheless, which seems to be Luther's point. God is present. God is calling. God is always. Will we trust it? In this season of Advent, of expectantly waiting for Jesus to be born, may our answer be whatever yes we can muster. And may we trust, though the days are short and the nights are long, that God's love is real and true and deep and wide and always and ever for us and with us. Amen. To hear more from faculty like Luther, who are spiritual directors, pastors, professors, authors, and experienced pilgrims and practitioners in the area of spiritual formation, join us at the next five-day or two-year academy. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org.